Hello, this is Ted Brzezelski. It's time for another episode of Words and Work. We're on the work side today. Across the country, over 300 Starbucks locations have had employees who have petitioned to unionize. Uh, this all started with a location in Buffalo, New York that recently unionized. And uh, we've had some in Arizona that have unionized, uh, one up in Mesa. And now we have one in Tucson, uh, the location over on Euclid, or near Euclid, I should say, and University Boulevard in the old Geronimo Hotel. So we've got one of those employees today, uh, Ivan Modesto, and he'll talk about uh, why they decided to unionize and... Um, what uh, what they did to make it happen um, and and how they got such overwhelming support from their fellow employees when they went ahead and did it all right here we go all right we've got uh, Ivan uh, Ivan Modesto from Starbucks Workers United who've just uh, unionized the a Starbucks location here in Tucson the one near the university um, and before I start talking about the union, I, I want people to get an idea of, of what, what you do as a worker at Starbucks. I, I think a lot of people kind of know because, you know, it's an open area. There's not a lot of stuff going on in the back. But could you talk a little bit about what, what your day is like when you work at Starbucks? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like you said, I work at the one that's on university in Euclid. Um, it's the first one in Starbucks to unionize in Tucson. And I've actually worked at that one for nearly two years. I worked for Starbucks coming up on three years, maybe. Um, and yeah, I've always worked as a barista. So um, usually the layout of the store is kind of, there's a, at least one store manager, usually, then a bunch of supervisors who um, sort of lead the team at the beginning of the day, and then the baristas who can sort of do any role, whether it's uh, register or uh, making the actual drinks or making cold drinks or sort of like stocking everyone up. Uh, so yeah, I'm a barista. All right. And um, what um, what got it in your head to, to organize? Yeah, you know, um, I started first thinking about our store unionizing uh, around the time that we started getting a lot of the national news about the Buffalo Starbucks, mm -hmm. uh, the Buffalo New York Starbucks. So that's when I started getting interested in it. And I reached out to uh, the regional uh, sort of organizer, I believe, and um, in contact with the local uh, union organizer. And we started talking for a bit about uh, the potential for our store to unionize. And that was, I want to say, I don't know, probably around six months ago um, that that was happening. And for the longest time, it didn't seem like anyone at my store really wanted to talk about it. It, it seemed so far away and it, it was so unsure about what would happen. Um, so for, I don't know, maybe two months there, um, we didn't really revisit it. And I was still in contact with the local unionizer here. Um, and then suddenly when when Howard Schultz 
came back and he was our CEO again. And he started mandating that we watch all these essentially propaganda videos. Uh, it's when I started getting um, some of my partners reaching out to me and saying like, you know, how do you feel about the video? How do you, like, do you think that, that more stores are going to unionize? Should we unionize? And that's when I told them like, oh, you know, I've already spoken to the union and, and we could start sending out the authorization cards pretty soon here. And uh, yeah, we did. Within a week, we got all of the, the cards signed. Yeah, and how many how many employees are at that store? It's changed a lot. Our store is pretty unique in in that sense, where um, the vast majority of our customers and our employees are students, and a lot of them are students at the U of A. So inevitably, we slow down a lot during the summer. So we anticipated that. Um, a lot of our partners would leave, but when we started, like when we, the people who actually signed the authorization cards was around 30. Okay. So, all right. And nationally, cause it sounds like some of this was inspired by what's going on nationally. I think there's 140 Starbucks stores that are unionized. Am I, am I right on that? Last I heard um, it was, yeah, somewhere around there. I, I think somebody told me somewhere in the 180. Okay. Or something. So that was just the last number I saw, but, um, so it sounds like from, from your description of things that, you know, there were people who were kind of interested, but it was when these other stores started unionizing that, that you got some momentum. Yeah, I would say it was sort of in the background for a few months there at probably like, I want to say, um, around January, February, like, um, we were all aware, we were all very aware of the fact that stores were unionizing and we would send each other articles and even our previous manager um, would sort of send us um, pro-union things. And um, <laughs> the manager you know, did, huh? Yeah, yeah the manager. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he did leave, um, but for a completely different reason. He was beloved by everyone who worked there with him. Um, but he just, uh, for his own personal reasons, moved to, uh, I believe, North Carolina. Um, but, you know, we all sort of understood what was happening at that point, right? Um, we knew that there was this... These, these stores unionizing in, in Buffalo and that we weren't sure what would happen. Uh, and then, then, you know, we heard more and more increasingly as like the vote got closer, uh, how they were union busting, how they were firing certain workers, how like the workers were expressing their grievances and uh, there was misinformation by Starbucks. Uh, and then just before the, the start of the summer, uh, that was when supposedly our CEO for the past year, like throughout the, or past few years throughout the pandemic, um, retired, right? And we were told he retired um, and it was completely unrelated to the union. But then immediately we get Howard Schultz as our new CEO and he really ramps up this anti-union campaign uh, starting with making um, partners all watch a mandatory 30 or like an hour long video where he pretty much sort of just uh, bashes the the union and says that it's a it's a parasite to the company, all these things. And it upset a lot of our partners, um, and including me, right? Um, so that's when people started coming to me and they're like, you know, what are we going to do about this? And um, I told them, I was like, you know, I have, I've been talking, talking to them and um, we can, we can get these authorization cards out within a few days. And yeah, like, I, I think we spoke about it on a Friday. Um, 
we printed out the cards on Saturday and by Monday we had all of them signed that we needed. We had like 80% signed and we only needed 30. God, that's, that's incredible. Um, so, you know, what was the impetus? Uh, I mean, what was going on with working conditions there? Did it have a lot to do with, because I've talked to folks who've, uh, who are involved in restaurant work, who've unionized and there was a lot of pressures going on around the pandemic that, you know, so, so what, what was actually going on that, that told you guys that you thought you needed to unionize? Yeah. So it, it runs through a lot of different things. Right. And I've only been working there for three years, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I did work before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and now after the pandemic, I mean, you know, hopefully after the pandemic. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there has always been just this like grievance that, you know, Starbucks workers aren't being paid enough, even though, um, the, the company is making handsome profits uh, enough that they're able to um, do stock buybacks or pay their CEO hundreds of times more. Um, that has always been grievance since before the pandemic. But during the pandemic, all of these uh, sort of grievances were uh, aggravated, where um, they were imposing very strict uh, COVID restrictions on employees, but then not imposing them on their customers. For instance, uh, masking. Uh, we all understood at a certain point pretty early on in the pandemic that um, masking was the primary way to to uh, prevent the transmission of COVID, right? And for some time there, they had closed down a lot of cafes and it required that customers wear them. But then at a certain point, even though we were hitting peaks of the pandemic and transmission, um, they were not enforcing masking mandates from Pima County on um, on customers, right? And exposing employees to, you know, the potential to get COVID, right? Um, and that was one of the grievances. I remember that also one of the things was just the staffing. They weren't staffing enough people um, to accommodate for all of the influx that, that, that we got during the pandemic, um, in addition, I think uh, they, you know, we were being told we were essential workers, right? I, I remember, I remember at one point, um, my manager was telling us, um, "You're gonna have to violate the curfew, right, um, and come in before six in the morning um, because you're an essential worker. So if you get pulled over by the police, uh, just you know, try and try and get yourself out of, you know, violating the curfew because you're an essential worker." But at the, at the same time, they were not paying us any more money um, during a pandemic. Sure, they gave us catastrophe pay, but, you know, that was to be expected during a, during a pandemic. Um, so that was also one of the things that fueled um, sort of the, the push for unionization. Yeah. And um, as far as, I, you know, I'm curious about, about your background. Um, did what was your previous experience with, with labor unions? You know, I had my, in my first job, it was as a, as a bagger at a Safeway Mm -hmm. and that was in high school. So um, it was a unionized job. I didn't really know what that meant. I had been taught some of um, what labor unions were, but always like through the context of like history, right. Where these were things that happened a century ago um, and, you know, they did their job and then, you know, that's over. That was always the understanding I had of labor unions, right? Um, 
so I had one at, at Safeway, didn't really know what it did, didn't work there very much. And then um, I went on to work in different food service jobs, including hotels and stuff. And I remember once, like, um, somebody mentioned to my manager at one of these hotels that I worked at, and they said, oh, we should unionize because it's so bad as a joke. And immediately, like, she, it, it was like they had said the most egregious, like, slur or something. She's like, don't ever mention that again, right? Uh, and I was like, oh, God, like, this is a pretty serious thing. Um, and it wasn't until I started seeing the things from the Amazon um, effort to unionize that I actually began to learn more about it um, and sort of like the economics of labor unions um, that I, I realized like, oh, okay, this is something that isn't just in the history books, right? This is just something that's been suppressed for so long, but, you know, it's definitely one of our rights. So um, I wouldn't say I knew a lot about labor unions when when we started the, the effort at our store, but um, I, since I was one of the people leading it, um, I know a lot of people are in the same boat as me and that if I was going to be asking them to vote on something so important to them, right? And something that they weren't educated on, that my role would be to uh, do the research and, and hopefully clarify what it was that they were voting on, right? So um, me and a few other partners made a lot of work to do um, research on on labor unions, you know, from peer-reviewed studies and and from papers. And um, I think that's one of the things we were most proud of that we didn't sort of go with all of the things you might see on social media, right? Because it was just leaving people more confused and we were having our own research from there. So I'm curious because I think with, you know, with a place like Starbucks, I think, I think people don't realize how skilled that is because I, 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 I think when they walk into a, a place like Star, you know, rest, another restaurant situation, you're talking to a, a waiter or a waitress and, and, and that's not necessarily the people who are preparing the, the food and, and all of that. But, but at Starbucks, that person you're ordering from is actually a very skilled person. I mean, it takes a lot to make these different drinks and so on and so forth. I mean, um, was, was that part of, you know, I'm just, just curious, was that part of your message when you were talking to your fellow employees that, Hey, you know what we we've got, we're bringing the company something very valuable here that not anyone could do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think it's easy to go into a Starbucks and see, you know, usually a bunch of teenagers who are, having a lot of fun and, and seem to be, um, you know, just making coffee. That seems like all they're doing. But the reality is we're not just making coffee. Um, you know, Howard loves to talk so much about a third place um, and, and what that means and upholding the third. Basically, we're expecting to promote this sort of culture of inclusivity and, and be a a thing that people can rely on to see every day to make their coffee, but also to interact with them and make their day better, right? So there's that element of it, but also so much more goes into coffee besides, um, you know, what you see on the surface, right? Um, it, it entails running an entire store, right? Which means being having to manage all the employees there, having to um, deal with problematic customers, having to deal with COVID protocols, all these things, right? Um, that, a lot of people don't really think 
we are being compensated fairly for, right? As we're expected to take on all these roles, but we're only being paid um, as, like, well, actually underpaid as baristas, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know that one of the things that we were encouraged to do as, as members of other labor unions, we were encouraged to go down to Starbucks, to your Starbucks location and, and order and give our, and, and when, when you asked our names, we would say union, yes. And, and, and that was, you know, kind of a way to bolster you guys. What kind of support were you seeing from the community when this was going on? You know, I personally got a lot of um, people who reached out to me, um, whether it was the AFL-CIO, uh, the regional director, I believe it was, or whether it was just sort of uh, political support from, from political leaders here in Pima County, like the, uh, the Pima County reporter who tweeted her support for our union, um, or if it was the Democratic Socialist of Arizona. Um, I got a lot of support in that way and people offering as well as the people from the air, the um, Phoenix stores who unionized. Um, but we also did get people like you who came in and um, would say, um, hey, my name is Union Strong. And unfortunately, you know, we weren't able to, we, we were facing some difficulty with that sort of stuff. Like people coming in and saying like, oh, thank you so much for the union. We were told you're not supposed to put that as their name. You can't do that. Um, and if somebody tries to give you something, like you have to deny it. And also like, you can't have anything pro-union in our common areas because supposedly they wanted to promote like a environment of neutrality, you know, for this, for the workers. But then at the same time, they would have, um, union busting propaganda in the back room, um, that would discourage people and sort of fear monger essentially, um, the effort for, to unionize. So it was difficult in that sense. And there, you know, I think we all came to the consensus is like, you know, like, I think we know what's happening here. Just understand that this is not an unbiased source, even as much as Starbucks would like to, to put themselves in that role. Like, oh, we're here to just sort of like clarify what's happening. They have an incentive to have us not unionize, right? Um, and that's why we thought it was so important to make our, do our own research. Yeah, and, and yeah, how did you counteract that? And obviously, you were very successful counteracting. If you got eighty percent, I mean, that wasn't just we got just enough. Great, you know. I mean, this, right. this you you so your counter messaging. How did that work with the other employees? And and, and was it easier to, to to counter with with a relatively small workplace? I think it was a lot easier um, at our store just because you know. Um, our store is very unique. Anyone who walks into our store knows that. They, you walk in, it's in this building that never, it doesn't even look like a Starbucks. It's a pink little hut. Um, it's full of plants and you can see that it's just tended to. And, and um, it's not just some, some you know, commercial store. Like it has its own unique identity. And it's the same way for our partners where we don't really have that high of a turnover rate. A lot of the people who, are there, have been there for a long time. So we had this um, benefit for um, going for us where um, we all knew each other well, we all sort of understood how we felt about the union and we all knew um, what was happening in other places, right? Like in Buffalo or in Mesa where um, Starbucks was not being unbiased or fair or, or abiding to 
the um, principles they were asked to. Um, so I think all of those things contributed to our success where we were able to talk frankly with all of our employees. And, you know, we have a relatively smaller um, number of employees. Um, and we were also able to understand that, you know, we have to do our own research. We can depend on Starbucks to, to be unbiased, right? Yeah. I, you know, and obviously you were able to transcend this a little bit, but you talked about the company tries to make these uh, really friendly spaces and everything. They've been very successful at doing that. People like Starbucks, you know, they'll skip other coffee places because they'll go to Starbucks because they're buying into a certain lifestyle or, or, or whatever. And, and it's a company that I think a lot of people like. Um, did that, did, did it make it harder for you when you were explaining yourself to people outside of fellow employees about what, what you needed? Yeah. Um, first off, I, I, is um, in addition to being a very efficient coffee company is also a very clever, clever marketing mm -hmm. company as well. Um, they know how to promote an image of, you know, inclusivity, all these things, right? A lot of the partners are queer and that's one of their, their successes, but um, they're also very exclusive to certain people, right? They've had countless incidents where, um, you know, they've kicked out black people um, from the stores because they didn't buy a drink or homeless people have been kicked out because they weren't buying a drink, right? But they also in the same um, hand are trying to say, oh, we're like such a safe space for people. It's not a safe space for all people. Um, so I just thought I should acknowledge that. But um, what you were saying is like, you know, um, it does seem like a really cheerful place. And I, and I can say that there's a reason that I've worked at Starbucks longer than any other place. And it's because they are uh, a safe space for queer people and a safe space for uh, young people to sort of um, express themselves in a lot of ways. Um, so when I did speak to people in my life about, you know, the effort to unionize, they'd be like, why? I don't get it. Like, it's, it doesn't seem that bad. Like, you just make coffee. I don't understand why you're, you want to unionize. Like, what are they going to change? And it was difficult, right? Because we're told so often to settle for less, right? Um, like you're doing better than this other place. So why are you complaining? But I think that is a defeatist attitude to take on, right? Where it's like, oh, well, we're doing better than some people, so we shouldn't really complain. I don't think that those two things are mutually exclusive. You can, you can be doing better off than other people and also want more for yourself. And I think that's what we all understood. Um, and, and we knew that we weren't being compensated correctly we knew that um, they could do a lot more to ensure all of their stakeholders' um, safety during this pandemic, not just customers, right? We are also stakeholders in this company um, and we should be treated as such, right? And they just didn't do that. Um, so we wanted to see change in that sense. And also just, you know, being having the, the autonomy over ourselves that they claim to give us, but we never did have, right? There's a reason that we call ourselves partners, right? Because they want to sort of like cultivate this idea that, oh, you're not an employee. You're not a, they're not your coworkers. You're all partners because you're all invested uh, in the success of Starbucks. But that's not how we felt. So, 
Well, as partners, you guys all get a share of the profits, right? You, you automatically get, um, <laughs> it's complicated because they, yeah, yeah. they love to promote these like great benefits, right? Yeah. Um, but it's a lot more complicated than that. And, and this is actually one of the things that also motivated us to unionize that I forgot to mention before, but, you know, they say, you know, oh my God, like Starbucks does so, such great work to ensure that their employees get the benefits they deserve. Like, um, college achievement plan, which is like full tuition reimbursement if you go to ASU online, right? Or the Lira benefit where you get to um, have free therapy, right? Um, or you get free Spotify, all these things like discounts and, and um, free coffee, all these things. Um, but what they don't tell you is that in order to get those benefits, you need to work 20 hours a week, right? And that, even though that seems like a really small amount of, of hours, some people aren't getting that. I can tell you right now at my store, um, even though the vast majority of our um, employees have transferred away um, to other places and, and we have so many, so, so much fewer uh, employees working and being on the active payroll, a lot of them are scrounging for hours. Like they're not even getting 10 hours a week, right? So it seems really nice for them to say like, oh, you get all these stock benefits and like healthcare and school reimbursement and um, mental health things. But a lot of those people, if they continue to not be given enough hours or even the possibility of hours, right, um, they're not going to be eligible for those benefits. So they don't mean anything, right? And so then what are you meant to fall back on? The uh, measly $13 an hour that they give you? I don't, you know, so we don't feel like partners, you know, for that reason. Yeah. Um. So have other, uh, since you guys unionized, I know there's uh, you know, just judging from Facebook, there was a lot of community reaction to it. And, and uh, have have uh, people at other Starbucks stores reached out to you? Have people at other companies reached out to you um, to uh, see if they could do something similar? I haven't heard from any other companies in, in Tucson, um, but I have heard from other um, at least two. And then I've had other parts come to me and say like, oh, at my old store or this one that I worked at um, has asked about our effort. And we've done our best to you know, provide them with all the resources. But I think for the longest time, we were mostly focused on ourselves and making sure that we had all the resources to make an educated decision about it. So um, from talking with my, my partners, um, my fellow partners, that seems to be our next goal, right? Um, we are now officially going to be represented by Starbucks Workers United. And, um, you know, we only have contract negotiations to look forward to, which is, you know, going to take many months to finalize. Um, we want to ensure that other people can have a voice as well, you know. So those stores that did reach out, we want to see them at least get the authorization. All right. Um, well, you know what? I think um, I think it's time to say goodbye. But thank you very much, and thank you for uh, helping uh, get that uh, that Starbucks organized. It was very important. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for talking with me. Thank you, Ivan, and thank all of you for listening. If you want more information on the Starbucks Union, you can visit 
sbworkersunited.org. Words and Work has been a presentation of Downtown Radio and the National Writers Union Tucson Chapter. I'm Ted Prozelski, and I'll see you next week.